Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody, joined once again by my pal, my friend in arms, which it feels like because we're at battle, uh, Daily Beast columnist and the author of Go Back to Where You Came From, Wajahat Ali. Waj, it's just another brilliant day in America where extremism is, you know, rearing its head. You came across something that was published in your outlet. Um, Let's talk about this latest school shooting, which we talked about last week. Um, But we have now learned more about Ethan Crumbly, the 15-year-old murderer. Um, We're learning about him, and we're also learning about his family. But I want you to pick up on what is very interesting about the Crumblies. Yes, Ethan Crumbly, a 15-year-old who was charged as an adult for murdering four people, and they've investigated his journals and writings. It was completely premeditated. Used the gun bought by his father. Four days later, took that gun uh, and shot up his school. And we saw the videos of students wearing masks escaping the window. Uh, and now more and more st- uh, stories of students acting like superheroes. And, you know, like that football uh, student who went in to protect his fellow uh, classmates and, you know, was one of the people killed because that's what we expect of our kids now, not just to learn, but also survive and then somehow become supermen and die for fellow kids. Well, you know, one thing I'll say, and, and, and Daily Beast published a, a letter, an open letter that his mother uh, had uh, published in, in favor of Donald Trump a couple of years ago. And uh, after I read this letter, uh, let's just talk about what would happen if, oh, I don't know, if it was a black kid instead of Ethan Crumbly or a brown kid or or a Muslim kid who did this. So this was an open letter written by Ethan Crumbly's mom to Donald Trump. And I'm just going to quote some juicy parts uh, of this exquisite letter. Folks, hold on to your uh, hats here. Crumbly, <laughs> yeah. Crumbly uh, went on to tell Trump that she hoped he would, quote, really uncover the politicians where I believe they really are, and that he might shut down Big Pharma, make healthcare affordable for me and my, all caps, middle-class family again. 
She was in favor of Trump's long-promised border wall and noted that she was not racist. Of course not, Daniel. Of course she's not racist because there's no racist in America. No one has a racist bone because her grandfather came straight off the boat in Italy. Quote, as a female and a realtor, thank you for allowing my right to bear arms. The letter continued, quote, allowing me to be protected if I show a home to someone with bad intentions. Thank you for respecting that amendment. She complained about parents at other schools where, quote, kids come from illegal immigrant parents and don't care about learning. And the letter, this is the beautiful cap off. The letter was signed, quote, a hardworking, middle-class, law-abiding citizen who was sick of getting fucked in the ass and would rather be grabbed by the pussy. And I did not make any of that up. I just, let me just tell you, as I inhale that insane fuckery right now, um, I cannot believe that this, this is the parent. This, she believes with her capital middle class that she is a good person, right? What kind of person arms their chi- arms their child and sends them into school what kind of what kind of person says that i'd rather be grabbed by the pussy than fucked in the ass and who <laughs> thanks the 45th president of the united states for their right to bear arms as if he was in the room writing the constitution i'm so yeah. confused about the ways in which they have deitized this man, like they, they have deitized Donald Trump into believing that he shows humility, that his ability to not form a sentence, right, and not to be able to deliver one without an insult shows what a regular person he is. And, and you know, by the way, her post was co-signed by the father. And so Jacob, the father, then like did a the Facebook post on it and said, you know, you know, like basically affirming what his wife said. And so w- the reason why I think it's important to really listen to the words in her open letter is it just exquisitely captures the mindset of the modern Republican voter, the fears, the victimization, the paranoia, the conspiracy theories, the excuse of misogyny, white women being perfectly fine with a white privileged man accused of sexual assault where they're perfectly okay with him grabbing him by the pussy, but not being effed in the ass. Right. And I remember when I went to Maine uh, two weeks, about a few weeks before the 2016 election. And I went to a Trump rally. I covered it for Huffington post. And this was grab him by the pussy. I just come out, right. The access Hollywood tape. So this whole this whole uh, segment that I did was specifically asking white women, like, why are you still for Trump? So I, I spent nine hours. There. Oh, my God. And it was like a, a buffet of whiteness. Every white under the sun. Seniors for senior whites. <laughs> Seniors uh, for middle whites, whites. Middle class whites. <laughs> poor whites. Biker whites. Young whites. It was all whites. And I'm telling you, the women loved this guy. And it wasn't just like your stereotypical hick white trash woman. I'm talking about wealthy women, middle class women, educated women. And when I said why are you against Hillary Clinton, a fellow woman, and supporting this? And they said, eh, locker room talk. He keeps it real. He's politically incorrect. He shoots from the hip. He's an equal opportunity offender. Well, the two parents who think like this raised a son who took that gun and with premeditation shot up four people. He wanted to kill more people, but thankfully he was stopped. And so if there was a black kid, 
who had, God forbid, done this, or a Muslim kid. Let me tell you exactly what the framing would have been. What's wrong with their culture? Where are the parents? Where's the father? Why do they listen to hip hop? Can't they pull their pants up? Look at these thugs. Look at these criminal mm. elements. Did they smoke weed? They compared Michael Brown to Hulk Hogan, a monster, a 15-year-old kid giving him like these supernatural powers, right? Trayvon Martin, look how they tried to demonize him. Yep. And yet the photos of Ethan Crumbly, and I tweeted this, and I'm glad other people mentioned this also, look at how so many news outlets did not use the mugshot. They used photos of him when he was like 12, 11, 10, this harmless yep. little, you know, pudgy white baby who just happened to be middle class and normal. Can you imagine what they would have done? I mean, we don't have to imagine. We, so, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, we don't even have to walk down and say, like, I wonder what it would be. Because when the the black people that you have mentioned, those that black children, excuse me, that you mentioned that were murdered were the victims. And they weren't even allowed right. in death to be perceived as victims, to be humanized right. as victims. But this is what we do with white murderers. Right. That you want to see Ethan Crumbly in his little tuxedo and, you know, looking so innocent. And it's just like he staged a massacre. He wrote about it in his journal. His dad went out on Black Friday to get a discount on a murder weapon so that his son could take it to school. These people believe. Right. This is why they now it makes sense when we understood why they weren't cooperating with the police, right? That, oh, they're not being cooperative, the sheriff said. And I'm saying to myself, your kid committed murder, murdered four of their classmates. How is it that you are not, one, obviously getting them a lawyer, but saying that you need to cooperate because your life is pretty much over, right? Like you were caught in the act. And so, it, it, but now it makes sense, right? Like, yeah, well, this hate is taught. This hate is learned. I remember, and I mentioned this in the book, I'll never forget this, and, and this letter that the mom wrote, and this this culture that this kid comes from, it makes sense why, he, you know, a, a person, I'm sure he has mental health issues as well, but why he turns out the way he does with parents like this. When I went to that Trump rally, I went inside, and the headliner uh, was Trump, but the person who was his flavor flave was Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> And and I remember I was like one of the darkest things in the entire other, place. Other than the hours, mic okay? stand? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like mic stands and like the speakers and me. And like in a buffet of whiteness, an ocean of whiteness, right? Rudy Giuliani comes out and I'm I'm not even exaggerating. He, he stops saying sentences. All he says, which got the biggest applauses were lock her up, got one of the biggest applauses. The wall got the second biggest applause and the Muslim ban. In front of me was from perception, a middle-class uh, upper middle class father, right? Just for you could tell from the polo shirt and the khaki pants, he was applauding. His son was half his size, applauding. And each time he was applauding, he was looking up to his father for validation. And his father looked down on him and nodded. And I'll never forget that. Wow. This type of hate is taught. And you, because it's just a kid. A kid wants the validation of his father and his mother. And so look at this kid. We'll learn up, we'll learn more, but they're about to charge, they might charge. The parents, by the way, uh, let's see what happens. And, and that's probably why the, the parents are like, you know, probably being skittish. And my prediction is, and maybe I'm being way too cynical, Danielle, you tell me, mm -hmm. will these parents end up being GOP martyrs, victims and heroes? Oh, my God. 
you know, so that, because that's where, that's where I want to shift the conversation to, too, because, you know, by the publishing of the Daily Beast of this letter uh, that the mother, the crumbly mother wrote uh, to Donald Trump is that they are making the connection that I think that on mainstream cable news is not going to make, right? Like, oh, because we don't know what's in people's hearts. Well, she told you, right? Like clear in, 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 in black and white that she is an extremist, that she is a Trumper, that she believes in the second amendment, that like, there are too many immigrants in this country who don't care about their kids, that she doesn't want to be around big pharma. So we shouldn't have Obamacare. I mean, she literally in that is a right wing talking point, right? She's more, this yeah, she, if yeah. Marjorie Taylor green, right. It is a is a is a member of Congress. This woman could be her chief of staff, right? Like that's right. And so the the conversation that I like is it time for us in the media to start talking about white extremism, like and how and and it's been time. It's been time. But it's something that we have not done. And, and as a matter of fact, Waj, you know what pisses me off? And I, and I can't imagine how you feel as part of a marginalized community that is not only marginalized, but is targeted, right? And seen mm. as part of the axis of evil. Remember Bush era axis of evil, oh, right? Yeah, like that. you basically put a red Sharpie around a part of the world where brown people are. And you said, they're evil. They need to be put down. How we talk about extremism in other places, even in people talking about the abortion laws right now are saying, oh, we're going to have Christian Sharia law. And I'm like, why do you have to bring Sharia law into this at all? Like, why does this even have to like why? Why to make your point must you bring in like a whole other a whole other culture and group? I don't understand. But. Well, exactly right. I'm glad you mentioned that is because in order to to describe it, we completely villainize and demonize everything that is Islam and Muslims because Islam and Muslims is inherently seen as what? Terrorist, right? That's why they attack Alan Omar. A black woman who simply wears hijab by her very nature is a threat. And so they don't name it for what it is. It's not, don't bring Sharia into it. This is yours. That's why I keep telling people, nope, this is white Christian America. Don't bring Sharia into it. Muslims aren't doing this. You know, don't call it. We, we joke sometimes and I make the analogy uh, of white ISIS, but I say it's not ISIS. It's white supremacy. Yes. I make the analogy because the DNA of extremists is so similar. And if you look at them, you take away the superficial, uh, if you will, veneer, very similar pathways towards radicalization, the hatred towards women, black and white, the romanticization of the past, uh, this type of extremist ideology, this perpetual victimhood, the rationalization of violence to achieve uh, their uh, their Valhalla on earth. It's so similar to ISIS, the Taliban, to white supremacy, but you have to name it. And the reason why we don't want to name it, and we've discussed this on the show, is because it will reveal... Yes the beating dark heart of America that people don't want to confront. Because if you confront it, you have to excise it or you have to rationalize it and specifically rationalize your role in either perpetuating it or being against it. And no one wants to have that conversation. So instead, lone wolf, you know, disturbed boy, he was bullied. uh, Oh, this is like uh, Christian Sharia. Nope. This is America. This is white Christian supremacy. And I'm glad you also, 
you know, you went down that this this woman's open letter, the things that we discussed, but just check it out for a second. She gives you a snapshot. She literally gives mm-hmm. you a window into the future of a Marjorie Taylor Greene. Just look at her. Yep. Look at her letter. She talks about big pharma. Yep. That gives you the tip off that they're going to be against the COVID vaccines. She talks about the Second Amendment. Tells you tells you about their fetishization with Kyle Rittenhouse and AR-15s. She talks about I'm not a racist, but f them illegal aliens. Right. And those families. And then the victimhood, because she talks about these alleged illegal aliens destroying schools. No, it's your white literally effed up kid who's who's literally killing other colleagues. It's like a it's a it's almost a beautiful snapshot. If we could go back in time to what the GOP would become. It was right in front of us the whole time. We kept saying it. It's not it's not economic anxiety. We kept saying was racial and cultural anxiety, and we were ignored. And voila, here you go. Here it is you know, in all its glory. And, it, and it's amazing because the amount of excuses that are going to be made, right? On, on, and, I, and, I, and I say this on both sides, right? Like you, you ask, well, will, will, you know, will Ethan Crumbly, will he be offered an a internship? by Paul Gosar and Matt Gates will, you know, because now he is a purveyor of the second amendment and he took, you know, the school didn't do deal with the bullying, right? Because that, this is the whole premise too, is that he has been referred to as the bullied 15 year old. Do you know how many headlines that I've seen that said that? And I'm thinking to myself, um, I grew up and went to high school as well, saw kids bullied all the time. They didn't come in with guns, right? Like, so I'm, I'm confused about why we need to humanize and empathize with now a known murderer, but we can't humanize and empathize with the victims like a George Floyd. Like an Ahmaud Arbery, yeah. you want to talk about their yeah. toenails and counterfeit $20 bills, but we won't talk about white rage and the pattern of violence that this nation is founded on, which is white violence and terrorism, because that's what he was doing. That's the double standard, right? That's why so many of us get so upset is we wish, oh, how we wish if the actual victims of white rage were treated with as much humanity as the actual perpetrators, but they're not, you know, we haven't heard about his long, dirty toenails, weed. We haven't talked about his, you know, hoodie. We haven't talked about potential alleged brushings with the law. Uh, Instead we get this cherubic face. And it it was interesting is that when this news broke out on Tucker Carlson's show, he had Alex Jones and he praised Alex Jones as a journalist. And for those of you who don't remember, Alex Jones, who got deplatformed for, for spreading so much hateful conspiratorial uh, nonsense, he also lost a lawsuit recently because yes. he said that the Sandy Hook school yeah. massacre a was a false flag. Mm-hmm. A hoax. A hoax. I mean, just imagine that. Children died. I'm talking about like kids died in Sandy Hook. And, wh- and when I knew this country didn't give a shit about children, and would never change and is morally broken is when the massacre of kids at Sandy Hook did not inspire gun reform. And that's when I said, that's done. If this country doesn't move after the Sandy Hook massacre, nothing's going to change. And Sandy Hook was years ago. And since then, we've had Parkland. Now we've had Michigan. I mean, I've lost track. There's like a weekly massacre, right? And so the excuses that will be made 
for this family is that you just have to do the double standard now. And this is where it becomes very yep. apparent. Compare Ethan Crumbly versus compare, oh, if this was a black kid or if this was a Muslim. Compare the coverage when it's a Muslim and compare it when it's a white person. They've already done that. There's four to seven times more media coverage when there is a Muslim terror suspect compared to a white domestic terror suspect, right? Look at Chris Christie when he came on Nicole Wallace's show a couple of weeks ago to promote his book, which only sold 2,000 copies. <laughs> this mother effer got the most press I have ever seen of a person. I would love half of his press for my right, book that's coming right. out. Only 2,000 copies. And Nicole Wallace asked him, what's your, what's your comment on white supremacist terrorism that the FBI says is the number one domestic terror threat? He refused to condemn it. He goes, well, I'm much more concerned about Antifa and I'm much more concerned about, you know, Muslim terror now. Well, you've uh, FBI says that he just refused to answer it. He refused to answer it, Daniel. And in 2009, this is a book that people should read by Daryl Johnson, who used to work at the DHS. In 2009, Daryl Johnson, at the DHS, he uh, re released a report warning yep. us about the radicalization of the right wing and the increase of violence. That report by the DHS was shelved because conservatives said, we cannot promote this. It makes us look bad. And then, you know, Obama trying to like win over favor, then had to kind of shelve it. So Daryl Johnson in Discuss Quit, Wired, wrote an article about it. He finally wrote a book called Hateland. But in 2009, they knew about it and conservatives kept quiet because they knew this was part of their base. Yeah. Which is why, even though the FBI now says the number one terror threat is white supremacist terrorism, instead, Donald Trump says to Proud Boys, uh, Donald Trump says in the in the 2020 debate with Biden, remember, stand back, softball down the middle. Chris Wallace, do you condemn white supremacy? What do you say about the Proud Boys? Stand back, stand by, and stand by. You know, sorry for my it, rant it, it, like, there. but but here's the thing that pisses me off is that you you just signaled something that again we always want to look and put the full bearing of the responsibility on where we are right now solely on Republican shoulders. Democrats had access to that same report that you just named. And I remember talking about said report in a piece that I was writing for like the Center for American Progress back in the day when it came out, because I was saying to myself, yeah. oh, my God, because this was my fear around the election of Obama was that he was going to be assassinated. Right. Because they are mm. telling you that as this black man is becoming the first black president of the, this racist ass country, that white extremism is on the rise. And so all I could think about was, oh, they're going to kill him. Right. Like that. That's going to be that's going to be clear. And the what pisses me off is that the Obama administration did nothing. Right. Mm. Like. They did nothing. It, this didn't this didn't come out. This revelation didn't happen like in the Bush year. This came out during Obama's term. But here's what happens in our desire and rush for this faux place called bipartisanship. This belief yeah. that they are these magic independents in the middle, that so long as you don't talk about race or racism or inequality or systemic injustice, then they are going to fall into your lap as Democrats. And so we'll just do our best to sweep everything under the rug and pretend that it's not a thing. And I'm like, wh where would we have been if Obama had directed the FBI, the CIA, DHS, to really activate an actual unit, right? 
whose job it was to invade these white supremacist groups to figure out what they were thinking, what they were doing. But we know what they were doing. They were out there planning for the rise of Trump and their ability that they knew, wink and a nod, they had a friend in the White House. This show is... From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition the midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections we all know that our government is broken politicians spend more time working for themselves their big donors and their political party instead of for us we as americans have had enough of the corruption partisan bickering and gridlock look i get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out but i'm here to tell you there's reason for hope our political system is broken now but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. You, I mean, you, you mentioned two things here, which I think are directly tied to what we're witnessing in the past two weeks, right? Democrats, especially during those Obama years, in order to pass Obamacare, uh, in order to try, to try to aim for bipartisanship, right? They're like, okay, we have to give some in order to get some. That was the thinking. Well, they learned... Pretty early on, by 2009, 2010, that no matter what Obama did, there was going to be obstruction. Mitch McConnell even bragged about it. He said, we're going to make this guy a one-term president. And they were committed to obstructionism. No matter what Obama did, they were against him. And then in the second term, they kind of figured out, okay, I'm not going to get anywhere with these guys. Right? It's like that peanut cartoon where Charlie mm-hmm. Brown tells Lucy, Lucy hey, are you, you promised this time? 
you promise this time you're going to take away the football? She goes, I promise. Why don't you run and try to kick it this time? She goes, okay, I trust you. What does she do each and every single time? She moves the football, and Charlie Brown falls on his ass, and we all laugh. Those, that's the Democrats with Republicans. What they haven't realized is no matter what they do, no matter how kind they are, no matter how, when they offer the olive branch, bipartisanship, we are dealing with a right-wing extremist obstructionist party that openly has told you since 2008 that we are committed to obstructionism. Mitch McConnell has bragged about it. He even said that about President Biden. He said that we will do everything in our, part, in our power to make sure that we obstruct his agenda, right? And so what did we gain out of it, Daniel, that obstructionism? Well, what we got was tolerating and empowering an increasingly bad faith uh, right-wing minority yep. That when push came to shove, installed three right-wing Supreme Court justices who are now killing Roe v. Wade. Let's not forget, Mitch McConnell, for eight months, denied President Obama even a hearing on Merrick Garland. Donald Trump gets elected. RBG dies. The you know Scalia dies. So he puts in Gorsuch. Kennedy makes some strange backroom deal. You get Kavanaugh, who, by the way, has still been uh, has still not been uh, completely cleansed of his sexual assault allegations, no. by the way. And and then Mitch McConnell, just like Lucy and Charlie Brown, goes against the president he created out of thin air. And a few days before the election, after 65 million Americans had already voted, he bum rushes Amy Barrett to the Supreme Court, and right now Roe v. Wade is going to die. And so you, you mentioned that as well, that that type of, you know, maybe if we do the right thing and if we don't talk about race and we don't, like, rankle the feathers and we don't get called woke and we don't see that we're close to the squad and we don't get tainted as progressives and we don't alienate white people, maybe the white majority and Republicans will do the right thing. And instead, literally reading this woman's open letter to Trump was a sneak preview as to what the Republican Party has become in 2021. I mean, it is just every single thing that you just presented is a highlight reel into just how weak, just how disorganized the Democrats actually are. And sitting here right, right now, I, I am absolutely like, it it is it is embarrassing right now to be a democrat i'm going to i'm going to say that it is embarrassing to be a democrat right now it is embarrassing that we are in this place that there was no lawsuit against mitch mcconnell holding the supreme court seat hostage right there was grounds for that Mitch McConnell, as a senator didn't have the power to be able to override the power of the presidency, but we gave him that power. That was the day that Mitch McConnell became that powerful, right? And then knew that I can do whatever I want with 30 days to go, right? I'm going to force in Amy COVID. I refer to her as Amy COVID Barrett, by the way. That's hilarious. Um, that I'm gonna for that I'm gonna force her on the American people, and then you have the Susan Collins of the world, who, by the way, just recently have decided that they have woken up from their coma and realized <laughs> that Brett Kavanaugh is actually going to take away Roe v. Wade. If you remember, she was like, "He's not gonna do that. I have just such good faith and feeling in him, right?" And just wanted to admonish Donald Trump for his bad behavior, but like a toddler, she believed that he had learned his lesson. The fact is, is that 
as Americans, we are learning a very, very important lesson right now, which is that we don't have a two-party system, which is that Democrats continue to acquiesce to Republican will. And yeah. that this, this woman, this letter, this, this act of violence at the hands of a 15-year-old is just the beginning. We have now two teenagers, two white male teenagers, right? In just the past couple of weeks, whose names are in headlines for taking down people, for being becoming murderers. Kyle Rittenhouse's mother drove him across state lines mm. with an AR-15 and dropped him off at this march as if she was dropping him off at fucking so soccer practice. You now have this woman, Crumbly, Ethan's mother, deciding that she's going to send a note to the president of the United States thanking him for being a staunch advocate for the Second Amendment, going out, buying their kid a gun, which is what they did. Because, because apparently the, these realtors, Danielle, in the suburbs, I mean, they got to be armed. I mean, apparently shit goes down in these, in these middle class neighborhoods. So you got to be armed and ready when you're showing a home. I had no I mean, idea. That, I mean, didn't you know? I had no idea. You know, having grown up in a uh, majority white suburb, I had no idea how dangerous it was. I should have been packing that entire time. No, I know because you would have been shot That's and killed. True. So I'm thank God you yeah, did not. True. You're 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 right. No, but no, but you're you know, look, this is this is where you know people say, Oh, you can't become like the Republicans. Last week we talked about this Daily Beast article I did where I said, you know, we talked about how Marjorie Taylor Green literally said on Steve Bannon's show, I'm the base. And I said I said, This is a gift, Democrats. This is a gift. You need to now make them the face of the Republican Party to win over some of these suburban voters, right? I was talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, Madison Cawthorn, Matt Gates, who, by the way, is still under investigation for having sex with a minor and driving her across state lines. And, of course, Lauren Bubart, uh, who's never made a gun she probably doesn't want to make love to, right? And I said, <laughs> unlike the you know, do you, do you think she gets aroused when yes, she looks at guns? I, I do. Probably, yeah. I do. Yeah, I think she gets orgasms with each gun she looks at, yep. right? Uh, and I feel like it's one of those situations where they demonize the squad, who conveniently are women of color. And, and unarmed, the by the way. <laughs> yeah, unarmed. And not armed and don't support violent insurrectionists or the Oath Keepers or the freaking QAnon conspiracy theory, which is a domestic terror threat, according to the FBI. And they use that to tarnish all Democrats and progressives as these radicals. And so when I said that, some people were like... Oh, it's too harsh and you can't be like the Republicans. I'm like, this is why Democrats lose. What am I saying that is in any way, shape or form unethical? You keep it real. And that's why, you know, my my parents like the squad. My parents who are senior citizens, Pakistani Muslim immigrants. Check this out. Why do why does my mom and my why do my mom and my father like AOC? I asked them. I'm like, this is strange. You guys used to vote for like Republicans in the late 90s. Why oh, do wow. you like her? My mom said it. She has, I'm translating for you. She goes, she has John, which means life. She has passion. She fights. She articulates her positions well. She's smart. I love her passion and John that she's willing to advocate for these things. That's what my parents respond wow. to, right? So, and so the squad is a little too to the left, to the majority. I get it. But that type of fight for your constituents who fear for their lives, for voting rights, for climate change, for, you know, income uh, inequality to lessen it, for parental rights, for free pre-K, 
I want to see that fight. I want to see Chuck Schumer pissed off that his colleague, Ilhan Omar, is getting death threats and Democratic leadership is still kind of quiet. It, why? Uh, you know, I mean, we know why. But the fact is, you know, your parents are right, is that. You know, if if we were to we're we're in the future, right? Like we're 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 seeing this. We 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 are seeing everything, everything, every nightmare that I imagined would happen if Donald Trump had become president has come to fruition, right? Everything that we thought would happen, the extremism, the rise of hate, violence, right? Um, I, I never would have imagined a, a political party being pro-virus, but also here we are. And when you see that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are their base, right? Why is it that Democrats then are running from their strong, powerful, smart, passionate women of color? Why is it that the Democratic Party isn't running towards them, realizing that they are in fact the future instead of trying to hang on to, to some semblance of, of moderation and making it Mansion's party when it's not. Yeah, it's not. I, I mean, like, literally, it's not. I mean, people say, oh, no, Ajat and Daniel, you're, you're, you know, you're poo-pooing on these things called the centrists, which don't exist. Uh, no, look at all the data. What Mansion supports is not supported by the majority of people, right? So when Mansion says he's the center, uh, if your definition of the center is right wing, then sure. But that's also an example of how we have allowed the right wing to shift the center yep. increasingly to the right ever since the war on terror the last 21 years and have allowed that asymmetrical fiction to be the reality. And then the left, instead of throwing down and say, actually, our ideas are very popular, according to the majority, and we will fight for them, they seed the ground. And they also seed the ground because the quote unquote establishment is still old and wealthy and white and terrified by these women of color and terrified by racial progress, right? Like, just keep it real. Let's keep it 100. That's the reality. And so instead of, here's an example. We talked about this on this program. This, imagine if Kamala Harris mm -hmm. was getting hit by the left. She was the vice president and just say she was a Republican. Don't you think the Republican thing in its power to lift her up and protect her like they are protecting Bubart yep. and Green? And instead, yep. look at what they're doing with Harris right now. I don't care if you like Harris or not. She's the vice president of your party. It was Biden and Harris that got 81 million votes. And she is the face of the party. What have they done to protect Harris or elevate her? Nothing. Nothing. They have done, they have done absolutely nothing. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And there is an entire media operation hit squad that is in place. And you do not, I mean, I, I want to know, Every day that I'm seeing Joe Biden on television talking about the latest variant and there why isn't why isn't there any mm. balance there? Why why aren't I also seeing Kamala Harris who is supposed to be leading up the vaccination rollout, right? Why am I not why am I just seeing him when we're talking about, you know, the build back better and you have your, your another mouthpiece who is the vice president of the United States, why aren't you doing that? But watch, it's the same feeling that we had before. Let us pretend Right. You are a prop, black yeah. and brownies. You <laughs> yeah. are a prop. We need you in order to convince people that we are much fucking woker than we are. So here we will put her up there. She looks good. We'll get your 81 million votes and then we'll hide her in the basement because we don't want white people to be reminded of the fact that your vice president is a woman of color. That's, that, you know what? I agree with you. It's it's the tokenization of black and brown voters who represent the base of the Democratic Party, especially in national elections. And we we, we will court you uh, and tokenize you to get your votes. But then once we're in power, we will always put you uh, second to the aggrieved white voter in the Rust Belt who will never vote for us again. But maybe, just maybe, if we're charming enough and bipartisan enough, and maybe, just maybe, if we court mansion, maybe we'll get you. And they haven't gone to you since the 1950s, and they won't. And the reality is, a Stacey Abrams has to literally will herself like a dynamo and hand deliver to you Georgia just to be finally respected. Like, they cannot ignore Stacey Abrams, which is why the announcement of Stacey Abrams running for governor again against uh, Brian Kemp, who is one of the architects of massive voter suppression in Georgia. I mean, they've welcomed it because they're forced to welcome it, right? Imagine Stacey Abrams three, four years ago, if she would have done it, they wouldn't have welcomed yeah. her. But now they realize, oh, we need we need these this black yep. woman. Well, like, we, we can't get Georgia without her. Uh, so now, hey, Stacey, come, come. We like you, Stacey. Uh, Corey Bush, go F off. Yep. Uh, you know, Kamala Harris, stay in the basement. Uh, AOC, stick stick with your Instagram. And Ilhan Omar never tweet <laughs> never again. tweet again, right? Um, and we can't hear you because you're wearing a hijab. Um, it, it, you know, I, I got to tell you wh what we said last week remains true this week, and will remain true as we turn the calendar year, which is that this country hates women. I mean that that is that is very clear. And if you are a strong-willed, uh, passionate, convicted woman of color, right, like like steadfast in your convictions. We damn sure don't want to hear you. And not only do we not want to hear you, we want to punish you and we want to silence you. And, you know, it is going to take so much uh, of our collective will to push back against that if we are ever going to see the other side of this. And frankly, the reality is you and I may never see the other side, right? But we need to pave some type of path so that the ones that are coming behind us have some hope of seeing something better than the shit sandwich we are handing them right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I did a couple of tweets, especially in light of what's been happening, uh, especially with Roe v. Wade. A lot of people are just so dejected, uh, so apathetic, so disgusted, right? And then when I say, listen, I'm hopeful, and again, I might be delusional, 
I am hopeful that this galvanizes enough people, right? Like when, when, when all you'll need is one story of a probably going to be a poor white, black or brown woman who kills herself in the alleyway trying to stick a hanger in there and getting an abortion. You know, you'll, it's, th- it's going to be inevitable. Why? Because history. This is what happens when you kill abortion. The rich, the rich white women and the rich women of color will be able to fly to like California, but everyone else, uh, they're not. And 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 if you tell someone like James, uh, excuse me, Judge uh, Amy uh, COVID Barrett says, "Oh, just you know, you oh, have, have the, the baby. baby and then hand the baby off." Yeah, just hand the baby off. If your dad rape you, that's fine. Yes, you, you keep that baby for nine months. The you know memory of that rape and the fact that that's that's the baby of incest. And then right when you right when you deliver that baby, just say peace out, baby, because you're an emotionless, uh, heartless robot. Uh, and you know it'll be fine. Uh, and why do you have to abort? That's not going to happen. Why? Because we're human beings. We we know better. We have history here. And so I'm hoping that, and I hate saying this, that the overreach of the GOP, mm-hmm. and this is an overreach. And and they're not going to stop until they go back to 1953 because I take them literally and seriously. Galvanizes enough people, and I have to remain hopeful. And I think you're right that we have to fight for it, even if we don't see the victory in our lifetime. Yeah. Because if we do nothing, right? Because when people say, "Well, I just someone told, told me today," well, even if we galvanize the majority, Republicans are friggin' drawing up the maps and gerrymandering, and it's over. And with voter suppression, correct. But if you're telling me it's over, then what you're saying is it's time to tap out, yep. be a nihilist, be apathetic, do nothing, uh, and basically cede the entire project to a right-wing white supremacist minority that wants to drag us back maybe even to the 19th century. Maybe I'm being too generous by saying 1953. And that is not an option. That is not an option for us. No, because... I, like you, am not am not going back. Sure as hell without a fight. Folks, thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody. So grateful to be joined again by our friend Wajahat Ali. And we will be back next week, God willing, unless, you know, the Crumblies and the Rittenhouses decide to take back their country. Mm-hmm.